Greetings in Christ Jesus and welcome once again to the Twin Steeples podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Joe Nauman, joined again by Pastor Neil Radical. Twin Steeples is a production of Emmanuel Evangelical Lutheran Church in Mankato, Minnesota, whose main goals are to share God's saving word and to communicate God's ongoing activity here in the kingdom at Emmanuel. How are you today, Pastor? I'm doing very well. How are you doing? We are doing very well. Uh, today is May 4th. Things are getting warmer. Appreciate the sun shining and the birds singing and the grass is turning green. So the school is almost out. We got a couple, yeah, what is it, two and a half weeks left is all yeah. we got. So, yeah. All right. Uh, Pastor, would you uh, like to lead us in an opening devotion here? Yeah, we've been continuing in a five-part series in our doctrinal discussion on 1 Corinthians 15. And our devotions have, as we'd normally try to do, parallel along with those. So right now we're looking at Acts chapter 2, verses 31 and 32. Now this section is from Peter's Pentecost sermon. So after that outpouring gift of the Holy Spirit that Jesus has promised, that those apostles were speaking in tongues and that they were sharing the word of God. And so Peter's sermon here was spoken in one language, but they all understood it. And maybe the other disciples were helping with the other language they were speaking. But what's amazing about Acts, to me, is that you have such a strong resurrection theme throughout. And every sermon, every devotion, in the name of Jesus Christ, the things that were being done were done in his name because he had risen from the dead. And so you see that also here from Acts chapter 2, 31-32. This is getting towards the end of his Pentecost sermon as he's recounting to them all that he had promised and all that he had done for them. So Peter says, He, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God has raised us up, of which we are witnesses. So, we know that in context of this here, this is David speaking of Old Testament prophecy, and that he was speaking of the Holy One not seeing corruption. We know that is referring to Jesus Christ. Jesus spent three days in the belly of the earth, as he had prophesied that he would do, that he was in the grave for three days, and yet his body did not see corruption, as we would think of with human beings who die, because he rose from the dead. And Peter goes on to say, we are witnesses of this. We've, we've seen him risen. Not just the apostles, but so many other disciples, like we talked about earlier on in 1 Corinthians 15. And so the, the joy of this is that, yes, all flesh is as grass. And we remember that the wages of sin is death. And we remember that the soul whose sins will die. But here Peter reminds all these people, thousands of people that he's speaking to, that Jesus had raised from the dead, and this is exactly what was prophesied about in all the years before this for the other apostles and prophets. It makes me think of Hebrews 1. In these last days, God has spoken to us through Jesus Christ, but it was all witnessed before by the prophets, and Jesus had come to fulfill all those messages. So we can take this to heart too. Jesus was not left in the grave, and he promises that we will not be left in the grave, and we can be witnesses of that truth as well, not by sight, but by faith. And that's why I can give thanks again today. We are God's witnesses because we believe in the resurrection of Christ. We believe in his work on the cross for our sins. We believe in his death and resurrection. And so we witness that faith we have in the Lord's promise to come and take us to our eternal home again. So very powerful words here again of the resurrection and reminding us of God's foresight, as we see in verse 31 here, about what his plan was, not just for our Savior, but for sinners like us. 
Your thoughts on that, Pastor? Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of times we think of the resurrection as a New Testament doctrine, but it's important to, to and that's what exactly what Peter is doing here, is he points back to the fact that David foretold this, that this was an Old Testament idea too, that, uh, that Christ would be ri- raised from the dead. Um, and he's, you know, explicitly in the verses, kind of just before what you read here, it says that, that, uh, Dave, that he knew that God had sworn to David an oath that the fruit of his body, according to his flesh, he would raise up the Christ. So David knew that from his line would come the Christ. And he also knew that he would not allow the Christ to be left in Hades. His flesh would not see corruption. So he knew that uh, he would not die. You know, we sometimes you kind of wonder how much exactly these Old Testament believers knew and understood about who Jesus was going to be. Um, and, you know, sometimes as pastors we get the question, well, how were, if we know about who Jesus is and we know that we believe in Jesus and that's why we go to heaven, how are Old Testament people saved? And, and my answer is they were saved in the same way as, as we are. The difference, the only difference is they were saved believing that God was going to send someone to take care of their sin problem. And as years and prophecies went by, they had a clearer and clearer picture of exactly who that Christ would be. But for you and I here in, in 2021, the answer is the same. We believe that God has sent someone. So it's just a difference in tense, I guess. Uh, God has sent someone to take care of our sin problem, and that's the person, Jesus Christ. Uh, and and that, that is accomplished. But it's no less faith here in 2021 than it was in AD, than it was in 2021 BC, right? Uh, either way, it's faith trusting that God had, was going to send someone or has sent someone because uh, Noah did not see Jesus any more than you did. But uh, by faith, Noah lived, and by faith, you live, and by faith, we will all live forever just as Jesus has been raised up as well. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we give thanks and rejoice again in your name because it is through your name that we have seen by the eyes of faith the resurrection from the dead. We trust the apostles and the prophets that spoke of this resurrection, and we trust that you will come again to call us in life or in death to our heavenly home with you forever. We know this is possible because of your victory on the cross to conquer all of our worries about our guilt and shame for our sin, but also to conquer death itself and swallowing up the grave for us and making that payment once and for all so that we can have that glory of being with you forever in heaven. Lord Jesus, we ask that you would strengthen us in this eternal hope and confidence we have in you and continue to bless our day today with this joy and gladness of what awaits for us one day very soon. Lord, help us be patient for your coming. We pray, come quickly, Lord. Amen. Amen. A couple updates, reminders for you this week. Once again, today is uh, uh, May 5th, 2021, Wednesday. Uh, Our Wednesday evening Bible study continues uh, tonight at 7 o'clock. So uh, we're continuing to go through the What We Believe uh, document that Pastor Radical has put together. Uh, for our website. So hope you can join us for that. And and it seems to be a productive uh, use of our time as we think about all the different uh, doctrines and things that we want to make sure we're witnessing to as as confessional Lutherans. I wanted to let you know last night at our voters meeting, uh, excuse me, on Monday night at our voters meeting, May 3rd, um, the Board of Education made a couple motions to modify a number of our teachers' calls. Uh, Mr. Matthew Kranz, who's been our fifth and sixth grade teacher for the past six years, uh, is moving positions into the high school to fill the vacancy that was left there. Uh, we pray the Lord bless him in that work. And, and also, uh, Mrs. Stephanie Rucker, who's been our kindergarten teacher also for the last six years, 
uh, is moving now to that vacancy in the fifth and sixth grade room. So this leaves us a vacancy in the kindergarten position. Uh, our plan, the voters meeting was recessed last night to uh, uh, May 17th, and our plan is then at that time to fill that kindergarten vacancy. Can you comment for just a second for anyone listening what that means to modify a call, Pastor? So we, uh, I talked to quite a few other uh, leaders in the CLC about what exactly uh, that might entail and if that's good and decent orderly practice. Um, and uh, they, they assured me that it was, um, that in the language of the calls as we issue them, um, there's language stating, for example, uh, you have been called to teach fifth and sixth grade teacher or whatever, whatever other duties may be mutually agreed upon between yourself and the congregation. Um, so uh, I was told by, by uh, people smarter than me that uh, these, these language is put in here for this very purpose in case the need arises uh, to um, uh, modify a call. So, uh, for example, uh, the example was given of a, a few, uh, school with two teachers. They had a lower grade teacher and an upper grade teacher. Um, they had called a, a someone to the lower grade teacher, but as they had a vacancy in the upper grade, and and that person had matured and uh, was now more interested in teaching older kids, uh, they simply modified the call. Um, so that's something that uh, uh, is uh, precedent in, in our practice, and so it's something that we uh, certainly felt comfortable doing. And the the voters all last night. Uh, with mutual agreement from our teachers. So please remember to keep that in mind. It's not as if we're forcing them to change jobs. This is something that they expressed interest in doing, they wanted to do, and our voters approved that as well. So uh, once again, now we'll, we have a vacancy in the kindergarten, um, which is alarming to me because my daughter is starting kindergarten next year. So uh, uh, we'll have to fill that vacancy uh, coming up shortly here. So pray the Lord would, would fill that and allow us to go forward next year with a full staff, uh, which seems like it feels like it's been years since we've had a full staff here at Emanuel. Yeah. A quick quick comment to that point. We've actually done a little bit of modifying with your call, the deacons and the education. So when we had the vacancy shortly after Christmas, you have stepped into more of that to help take on some of those classes and some of our other teachers as well. So we've really done minor modifying of yeah. the calls to help fill those positions that we are void of. Yeah. So this is different because we're modifying full-time calls, just like you pointed out. But yeah. we've done some of that minor modification at times, too. Yeah, we've done, you know, Mrs. Bush uh, serving under a one-year call to teach high school, and next year she'll be going back to 7th and 8th grade now that we've filled that vacancy. So there's uh, there's been a number of things that we can do and that, you know, our teachers are so flexible and so loving and so awesome, uh, yeah. uh, awesome and they want to fill our – they want to teach the kids the best they can. So – uh, we're so thankful for them and, and uh, grateful for all the flexibility they've shown in the past couple of years as we've tried to, to get a full staff here, and we're very excited to see um, Mr. Matthew Cran step up on the high school level and see what Mrs. Rucker can do in that fifth and sixth grade as well. So uh, we for certainly feel blessed to have those uh, the called workers that we have, and we look forward to seeing uh, how the Lord's going to fill that kindergarten spot as well. There was one other motion that probably should be brought up that the Board of Ed and Board of Deacons are working on because there was a lot of concern about not having a trained counselor for the school. Do you want to comment on that for a little bit? I'll go ahead. Oh, okay. <laughs> so basically, the voters approved to have the church president appoint members from the Board of Deacons and Board of Education to do more research on what it would look like to call a third pastor that would also have the function of serving in the school counselor position too. So this doesn't take away 
from the teacher position and add too much to that plate, but would, would help out with the pastoral ministry and also be able to help out a great deal with that counselor position. So nothing was aside on that, only just to appoint a committee to research more what that would look like, what that would cost, and so forth to present sometime in the future to the voters and congregation. All right. Uh, also last night, um, the SIC committee, do you want to comment on what that means, SIC committee? Sanctuary Improvement Committee. They basically just, I'm on that committee, we, we basically just once again shared with the voters our four recommendations. One of them has already been done with the painting of the sanctuary walls, so that was talked about last spring, and there was more details than kind of COVID hit that all shut down. And so we were able to now have more of an appointed committee to do some of that work, to bring it before. And so the plan is for a congregational meeting, which we're hoping that everyone in the congregation can come to, that is going to be Monday night at 7 p.m. So this coming Monday night at 7 p.m., we're going to go through those recommendations in detail. There'll be some carpet samples and hopefully pew samples out there and drawings and so forth of all the plans there. So we're hopeful that you can come and give input to that so the committee can go back and make better recommendations to the voters about going forward with updating our sanctuary for the glory of the Lord. Yeah. Uh, please note, too, that you know uh, a member commented me, when our school, the school uh, over on Broad Street there was 50 years old, the congregation decided to build a new school. Um, and that was the school that's attached to our building right now. When the our sanctuary is currently 50 years old since the fire, as we'll be having our 50th anniversary commemoration of the fire this summer, and it's still the same carpet in there. So if after the school is 50 years old, they could build a new school. Maybe now that our carpet's 50 years old, we should replace the carpet. Uh, so... On our prayer list for this week, we wanted to highlight for you a banquet coming up this weekend. Uh, simply want to keep uh, that in our prayers, that everything goes smoothly uh, for the banquet and that uh, the Lord would bless our, our young people there. Uh, also want to highlight this coming weekend is Mother's Day. So uh, all you mothers out there, thank you very much for all the work that you do and the, the blessing that you bring to all of our lives. Um, we cannot thank you enough or appreciate you enough. And uh, this one day a year is, seems like short shrift, but uh, we'll do the best we can to thank you for the many blessings that you bring to our lives. So thank you, mothers and wives and all of you out there who, who sacrifice your own time and life and giving for all of our benefit. Uh, I want to pray for Marie Meyer and Lori Bren, both of who uh, uh, continue to deal with cancer. Uh, Marie's Grace Schreier's sister who's dealing with cancer, and Lori Bren is Carla Omanson's sister who's now been placed on hospice. We keep both of these Christian women in our prayers. This past weekend, uh, Pastor Radical baptized uh, Ava Marie Baldwin, uh, who's the, the child of Chad and Kyla Baldwin. Um, she was baptized on Sunday morning, so we thank the Lord for the gift of both physical life and spiritual life that was given to young Ava, a very beautiful young lady. Uh, also found out this morning, uh, Pastor was just texting Sam, uh, Sam and Alicia Howley uh, were just blessed with a baby boy uh, this morning, so we thank the Lord for that, and we pray the Lord would uh, uh, allow them to return home soon. Uh, baptisms plans, I believe, are still in the works. Is that that's the case for yeah. for them? So we'll see what what uh, when that happens. But uh, thank you, Lord, for you know so many things can can go wrong in a in a birth. But uh, thank the Lord for a blessing of uh, this baby boy to the Howley family. Which brings us to our doctrine of the day today. Uh, as we as you, you mentioned before in our opening devotion, uh, we've been going through a First Corinthians fifteen study. This brings us today to our largest chunk that we're going to be covering. I'll let you introduce that pastor. 
So we're in 1 Corinthians 15, looking at verses 27 through 49. We, you know, you and I had talked about reading the whole section. That would that would definitely take quite a bit of time. It's worthwhile. We did do that Easter Sunday morning with that service that you arranged, Pastor Nauman, which I still really, really enjoyed the way you broke that up into these sections. So what we're looking at is basically three verses from this larger section. The first verse I thought would be nice for us to discuss when it comes to the resurrection of Christ would be verse 27. That verse reads, For he has put all things under his feet. But when he says all things are put under him, it is evident that he who put all things under him is accepted. So what does that mean? Ultimately, we know if something is put under it, like a subject, then the subject has this Lord over it. And that's what the Apostle Paul is saying here. Everything is subjected to Christ. And that's why we say and sing and praise him that he is Lord over all. That would be true of life and in death. We just praise him for the gift of life to these two young families. We praise him for the gift of life after death. We think of all of our loved ones in the past year or in our lifetime that have passed from this life. And we are thankful that the Lord has put all of these things, our enemies, under his feet. They're subjected to him, death itself. And so we can give thanks that the Lord is Lord over all. And when it says there in verse 27, he is accepted to that. In other words, because he is true God, because he is our Savior, because he has power over death itself, death could not hold him. So he is Lord of death itself. And so that's how he has the power over death itself. He showed it in his earthly ministry by raising many from the dead. We've talked about that in Bible studies and in our sermons quite a bit recently as well, all at all times, but also shows how he has conquered death himself to never die again. So verse 27 speaks specifically to his sub, putting all things under him and sub, subjecting all things under himself. And he is Lord over all. Any, any thoughts on that specific verse before we get to the other two? Yeah, I think I'm going to push back a little bit on, oh, good. on your understanding here. Uh, I think in, in the quote there, it's referring to God the Father and Jesus Christ. He has put all things under his feet. It's God the Father putting all things under Christ's feet. So it's two pronouns there, he and his. But it's referring to two different people. That's the way that I read and understand that. Well, I don't feel like that's a pushback. I think you're clarifying what I, what I mean. It, it definitely, we do have both things. Christ conquering death. We also have God who raised him from the dead. And that's what you're speaking of. I totally agree with that. And I would also say this is a prophecy that's not yet fulfilled. In the sense of his final return. Yeah. I mean, when you look at verse 26, the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. When you look at verse 28, all things are made sub- when all things are made subject to him. This is speaking of a future event when Christ returns again. So even though this is, even though, yes, Christ has conquered all these things through his death and resurrection, death is still very present, sin is still very present. All things are not yet made subject to him as they will be on Judgment Day. I don't disagree. I love that we're kind of debating this. This yeah. is good. It's a good study. So I agree with you that this will happen for us when he returns. He'll show how he's put this death under us. But he has conquered it, so we have that, I don't want to get too into the Greek here, but I know you'll like it, that whole erroristic idea of that when he's conquered sin and death, he's done that, he's shown that in himself, so that part's been fulfilled in him. But I agree with you, this is a prophecy for our future too. So I'm loving everything you're saying, mm-hmm. I'm not disagreeing with you, but, but I like the way you're drawing out the appropriate understanding of God raising his son, Christ conquering death, how those two things go hand in hand, and then this prophecy of what he'll come to do for us, which he's already done, which I think ties really well into the whole chapter of 
Christ being the first fruits, and then the prophecy is that we will follow. Is that making more sense? Yeah, I think so. But as you trace those pronouns through verse 27, you know, it's, he's not talking about how Christ is accepted from death. It's saying that God the Father is not subject to God the Son. When he says all things are put under him, it is evident that he who put all things under him, that's God the Father, is accepted. So it's not talking about death there. It's talking about God put all, when it says God put all things under him, it's evident that God is not included in being subject to the Son. Does that make sense? So we're really talking about the, the doctrine of the Trinity here, about uh, who to, was involved, to an extent, who was yeah, involved, the in relationship the between the Father yeah. and the Son. Yeah, we should we should go more in depth into that in the future. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, okay. So the second point is, although I would go keep going, with, I love I love this. You know, this is good. Uh, so the the second point would be from verse forty two and forty three, where we're looking specifically now. What does this mean that? God is Lord over all, the life and death itself, even death itself. 42 says, So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. Again, if you have your Bible in front of you, I encourage you to read the context of this. And the whole idea here is that if you talk about the, the sowing of a seed, and obviously in we talk about the anatomy of our body. We talk about the seed of Adam, the seed of a woman. You know, that seed is sown in corruption. We had two sinful parents. We inherit this sinful, this original sin from our parents. So that's the idea of the body is sown in corruption. We are going to die one day unless Christ comes first. It's sown in corruption. It's sown in dishonor, but it's raised in glory. Our body is sown in weakness. It'll be raised in power. So we're reminded that we will be raised and have a perfected body like our Savior. We will have a perfected body for eternity. And like Job says, it will be our own perfected body. So no more wheelchairs, no more walkers, no more glasses. None of those things that we need because of our weak bodies. We will have a perfected body. And that's part of the joy that Paul's expressing here. We're gonna, Because Christ has risen, we're going to be able to have this perfected body as well. Comments? Yeah, no, that makes sense. I, the one thing I always... It's always hard when you're sitting there with a family who's mourning a loved one to say it is sown in dishonor because you want to honor the dead, but it's also understanding uh, exactly what the situation is, you know, and, and that's where, you know, when, you, when you're preaching a funeral sermon, it's easy to get into the mentality of I'm only going to say good things about this person, you know, or I'm going to paint this person as having absolutely lived an absolutely perfect life, and uh, that's something we need to be careful about, you know, even... You know, my mom died in January, and as I think back, my mind only wants to think of the good things and the pick, paint my mom as this perfect picture, this perfect human being. And uh, we need to be careful about doing that because we need to remember that you know, mom's a sinner, dad's a sinner, we're all sinners, and uh, uh, if we, if in our memory we paint them as absolutely a perfect person, well, then we're doing them a disservice because they don't think they would want us to think of them that way. They know they were sinners who need a savior as well. So. Um, even though it can feel strange to speak these words at a, at a graveside, you know, it's sown in dishonor, um, you know, making sure that the family understands that, I think, is, is uh, important as, as we go forward with those kinds of services. Well, and just to take a, a half a second, I know because you won't do it, but I, I praise the Lord for the faith he gave your, your mother to recognize her sinfulness and to always praise her God creator and the one who she was absolutely confident would raise her from the dead and why we can be confident that we're going to get to see her again. So... Um, in the spirit of Mother's Day, you know, 
what a blessing it is to have godly mothers and parents who will raise us in this word of the Lord. Uh, the very last part of this would be verse 49. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. I think that really connects with the, the last two sections. If we talk about born the image of the man of dust, we have this, as in Adam, all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. We have borne the image of sinful man. We've inherited that, like we said before. And now we will, as believers, bear the image of the heavenly man, that new man we have in Christ. And in eternity, when we talk about our heavenly life with him, we will have that image of perfection through Christ, not just having our souls been washed by the word of God and the grace of our Lord Jesus, but having that perfected body as well. Well, we have one more section we're looking forward to doing next week. Lord willing, the confidence we have in the resurrection, if not all these things give us confidence, Paul ends by showing the supreme confidence we have in Christ. We'll look forward to bringing that up next time. And we're planning on closing today with a hymn of the day that we used earlier on, the first two verses, the last two verses are, once again, these are the facts from this worship supplement, 759, verses 3 and 4, which read, These are the facts as we have received them. We, with our Savior, have died on the cross. Now, having risen, our Jesus lives in us, gives us his spirit, and makes us his home. These are the facts as we have received them. We shall be changed in the blink of an eye. Trumpets shall sound as we face life immortal. This is the victory through Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Twin Steeples podcast. Once again, Twin Steeples is a production of Emmanuel Evangelical Lutheran Church here in Mankato, Minnesota. Until next time, may God bless and keep you. And may you always remember, Emmanuel, God is with you.